I'm here today because we're going to talk about the Feast of Shavuot. I'm so excited about this because I would like today to share with you a little bit of some of what the Father has been really putting in my heart just about this whole year. And I think when we look at Shavuot and we think about what really was happening in that time when the Holy Spirit bursted into that upper room, right? we see in Acts chapter two that tongues of fire lands on the heads of the people and they are changed in a moment. Three thousands are baptized. And what we today see as the early church will transform the world. People were so empowered and emboldened by the Spirit of God that they would enter into temples and uh, pagan temples and pagan cities. And, and Rome was overthrown with the gospel and Rome and beyond Judea and beyond the world was entered by these people empowered. And yet today, when we look at that, we see, wow, this was the beginning of this new era, but yet Today, is it not something that we are still supposed to be yearning to, looking to, hungry for, something that yet the Father, I believe, wants to restore back to us? Because just like we had generations before us, you know, we had, for example, Israel, they were in the wilderness, right? They, are, they, are, they received the commandments, the truth of our Father, but yet they are struggling to keep it. Many of them fall in the wilderness. Many of them do not make it. And it is only left to the next generation for them to find this place. And I believe that we saw the same with the Reformation. We saw that it, it took generations of, of prayer and fastings and crying out for truth until we saw a Reformation happen in the church. And yet I think today we are again at the cusp of this, of, of a, a crying out of prayers and fastings and a hunger in God's people to be restored back to something that was lost. A worship and spirit and truth that Yeshua spoke about. And you see, Yeshua spoke and he said about all of this, he said, it is good that I go. Now, I don't know about you, but... When I heard about what he said there, it's good that he goes. I'm like, what do you mean, Yeshua? It's good that you go. Because he says, it's good that I go because then my Holy Spirit can descend. But, but how is that good? Because I am, you're telling me that the, the living person of Yeshua who I can speak to, I can see, I can feel, I can put my hand in his womb, like wounds like, like Thomas did. I have to exchange him for this abstract Holy Spirit that I cannot see, I cannot touch, and sometimes struggle. I, I struggle to feel him. I, I struggle to hear him sometimes. How is this good? But today I want to speak to you about that, the Shavuot. And I want to show you the role that the Holy Spirit has to play in our lives and the role that we have to play in his kingdom. You see, when we look at Shavuot, it is a feast that prophetically has been given to be the agricultural festival of the grain harvest. And it's prophetically that because it is all to teach us about a spiritual harvest at hand. Because we, we see that we have this, 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 this role we enter and 
whether this offering that he tells us to make. Like, like we, for example, we read in Leviticus 23 that we have to make this peculiar offering called a wave offering. Where he goes and he says in Leviticus 23, 17, You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour, they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Right, so we have this, this offering, a first fruit offering. We're waving these two loaves, first fruits to the Lord. But, but it makes me think of what is that all about? What, what does that bread really represent? Yeshua spoke regarding the bread. And he said, this is the true bread that comes from heaven. He who comes from heaven to give a life to the world. Speaking of himself, we know that Yeshua is the bread. So when we think about now this offering, we start realizing that, well, actually the father was the one to make this offering. The father made a Shavuot offering. The father had given his first fruits, his most prized possession, his firstborn son, only begotten son, to die as an offering for our sins. And now he comes to you and he comes to me and the father says, I want you to make an offering to me. But when I think about that, it's like, but father, how can I match what you did? How can I make an offering as you made an offering? Considering, I mean, what do I do? Do I do, I do and do keep some more commandments? Do I, do I try to be more holy? And as good as those things are, I know that I won't match up. But the type of offering that the Father is calling us to is an offering that is a little different. It's the fruit, the very fruit of our salvation. The fruit of our salvation is the fact that Yeshua died for us, sent a Holy Spirit to descend upon us, inhabit our temples, empower us with His Spirit, and to look more like Yeshua with a new nature. A nature that is so changed and different from this world that when the world looks upon us, they see Him. Now that Holy Spirit that seems so intangible, that seems like the Spirit, this, this, this thing we cannot touch, we, we can't, our, our, our senses don't experience Him, but yet when the Spirit of God inhabits man, the temple that He was really always desiring to be in, suddenly we understand why it is good that He goes. Because now He can live inside of us. He can empower each of us individually and then corporately. And each of us become the wave offering as He is in us. He is the bread and the bread is placed inside of us. And we become a sign to the world of the power of Yeshua. And this was why the early church was as powerful as it was. Because they were empowered from on high. And if we want to say, hey, we want to be a, a generation that wants to see a, the salvation of the Lord come again like it did back and then, we need to have the ingredients necessary to look more like Yeshua. Because see, Yeshua, He was really very much like those two loaves. He was made up of two parts. Yeshua started his ministry proclaiming that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And no one comes to the Father except by, but through him. 
He was the embodiment of what truth is. Everything he said was truth. He was holy. He was righteous. He was without spot and blemish. He was the Lamb of God who took us the sin upon the world, upon him, but yet he was without sin. But even though he was everything that is true and he spoke everything that is true, we see that there was a spirit that came upon him when that dove came upon him. And that spirit of God empowered him, but, but confirmed the truth he carried. You see, without the Holy Spirit, Yeshua is not the Messiah. Jesus is not the Messiah. Because Yeshua went and he heals the sick. He goes and he casts out devils. He goes and he sets the captives free. And as he does all of this, he is this, this is what he becomes, this, this spirit and truth worship. And now when we see and we look upon him in this light and we look at ourselves and we look upon what was lost and we see, well, in the garden, the enemy came to corrupt the image. Right. He say, God says we are supposed to bear his image on the earth. The enemy comes. He tries to corrupt that. He tries to steal the spirit from us. He tries to steal the truth from our hearts. He tries to divorce us from God by tempting us and letting us fall into sin. And then God comes and he says, but I have a plan to restore you back to me. And this plan, some of which we see happen at the first Shavuot. Mount Sinai, right? God comes and he deposits truth upon his in his people upon the earth. He gives them the commandments, tells them what the standard of righteousness is, the ways of living. But of course, we know how the story goes. The, the people of God, they fall short. They they make mistakes. Some of them die in the wilderness. But yet then about 2000 years ago, the father came comes again. And he comes and he says, I'm going to do the next step, a deeper thing. I'm going to come, he says, and I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And as he does that in the spirit and the spirit enters the upper room. And as he breathes on the disciples, we see that everything that was really lost, that kept us from looking like Yeshua is now restored back to us. We have access yet again to everything we need to look like our Messiah and to be restored back to the image of God, to be back into bearing his image upon the earth as we were always, as he has always desired us to. And so, you know, you, we can look upon all of this, but then you can tell me, okay, PD, I, I get this. You know, I, I understand that you want, we need to, we ought to have this bread for others. We have to give them access to the Messiah. And you can look and at yourself and you can be like, well, look, I, I'm a believer. I've got it all sorted. You know, I've, I've been a believer for maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, right? And, and, and oh, I go to my, I have my Bible studies, my Torah portions. I, I have my, my fellowship. I have my prayer life. I have all of these ingredients that make up the life of a believer. Praise God for it. But then you'll tell me, you may look inside deep and say, but Petey, I don't know why there's still something that's missing. I, I thought I had it all figured out, but there's just something that's, I have this hunger, but I don't even know what I'm really hungry for. And so when we speak about giving bread, I feel like I need bread, you might tell me. Yeah, but, but there's something that I want you to really repeat after me, something I really want you to get. 
And, and, and it's this thing that this, it's not about what we gather. It's not about what I gather. It's about what I give away. That's the message of Shavuot. It's not about gathering, gathering, gathering as the world gathers, but giving away. You see, at Shavuot, this is the feast where God comes. Interestingly, in Leviticus 23, when he lists the feast, this one, he suddenly diverges into speaking about what you need to do in your harvest. And he speaks and says in Leviticus 23, 22, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge nor shall you gather the gleanings, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And so we see that the Father comes and He tells us, I want you to actually go and leave the edges of your harvest for the poor. Yes, you worked hard to labor to bring about that harvest. Yes, it's your harvest. Yes, it, but I want you to make an offering. I want you to give something up. And as we see, he, he, he talks about the poor, right? He talks about all this, but, but it's quite an upside down concept because what we start seeing is that it's when we give up something, when we give away, when we make an offering, when we lose, then we gain. So when we make an offering and give up that we are actually spiritually nourished. You see, Yeshua spoke about this and he said to his disciples, I have a food that you do not know about, a food that you do not understand. And the disciples, they look at each other and they, they say, well, what, what kind of food is he, is he talking about? Has someone given him something when we, we, when we weren't around? And he goes on in John 4, 34, and he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And he says, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white for harvest. See, Yeshua is saying, look, there is a will of my Father that I feed on. That is my food, my substance. That is my nourishment. But what is that will of the Father? See, He was speaking about something very specific there that you must get. Because this happens right after His encounter with the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman is right. He's meeting her. He's talking to her. He is the embodiment of truth. He tells her who he is. And she is, she is out of her mind about that. She's like, well, she's so excited that she is meeting the Messiah. But how did this all come about? It all started with the Holy Spirit in that moment before the Samaritan woman is spoken a word to, to Yeshua, the Spirit speaks and moves upon about the Samaritan woman. And he receives something that the Apostle Paul has coined later, a word of knowledge, a, one of the spiritual gifts. Yeshua receives a word of knowledge about the many husbands that this Samaritan woman had and was many men she was busy with, how she was so thirsty, always looking, never being satisfied. And yet when he told her all of this, what does she say? Are you a prophet? And that just opens the door for him to, to proclaim who he really is. So much more than a prophet, but the Messiah of the world. 
But see, do you understand how without the Holy Spirit in that moment, Yeshua can proclaim and proclaim and proclaim He's the Messiah. But without the Holy Spirit, that is the very gateway to the hearts of people. None of it would work. The truth does not enter the heart of a man without the circumcision that comes by the Spirit of God upon the hearts of people. That's why in Acts chapter 2, it says when Peter got up and spoke, they were cut to the heart, pierced. The Spirit had to cut them open. And then the words, the truth of God can, can come into them and they can finally get what is actually being proclaimed. But now instead, what we have tried to do is we've tried to speak a lot. We've have, we have the truth and it's all great. But if we don't pierce the hearts of men by the Spirit of God, allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit from on high with these spiritual gifts, we will never see without that what the early church saw. We will never have a Shavuot like the early church had ever again. Do you understand the role you're playing here? Like we will never be able to see Shavuot like in Acts 2 if we don't get back to this understanding that we need His Holy Spirit. Because brothers and sisters in this Western, in the West especially, not just in the West, but in the West, we are so enamored with the world, so filled with knowledge and stuff and things of the world. And, and we know so much that our knowledge has become an idol above the spirit because sometimes the spirit is, takes us to places that our mind cannot. Sometimes the spirit proclaims to us things are possible that our mind cannot fathom. And so if you are led by your carnality, you will never be able to be led by the Spirit of God because He demands us to believe that we can walk on water even no matter what the scientists say. He demands of us to believe that He can open the blind eye instantaneously no matter what the medical community says. He demands of us to believe that He can deliver us from any trial that befalls us no matter what the world thinks. But the question is going to be are we going to put off the ways of the world and the thinkings of the world for how the Father has shown us what is possible for Him, even when it goes against what we think of when we think about the laws of nature, when we think about what is normal. And so, brothers and sisters, he goes on with that Samaritan woman and he says, look, you've been worshipping on this mountain, on that mountain, this temple, that temple, I'm telling you that a time is coming when you will not worship me here or there, but my people will worship me in spirit and in truth, for this will be the acceptable form of worship. This is the worshipers that I want. You see, the Father is speaking about a new temple, right? He's saying, look, it's not about this physical, that temple that's going to be the center of worship anymore. The center of worship is going to be your temple. It's going to be you becoming the garden presence of the Lord upon the earth. It's going to be you being indwelled of the Spirit. And, and when people see you, they're going to get a taste of the lost inheritance that they had before the fall. That inheritance of being in the garden, walking with Yeshua, with the Father. When they meet you, that's, what the, that's the taste that they need to be getting from you. But it's going to need you to have Spirit and truth in your life. When we look at when we go inside of the temple, we have the ark, right? The ark of the covenant. 
And when the Ark of the Covenant is there and we open it up, what do we find inside? The book of Hebrews 9 verse 4 tells us, right? It talks about how there is this golden urn of manna. And we know that this manna is Yeshua. He said, this is the manna. I am the manna that comes from heaven. Whoever eats of me will live forever. Not like the manna of, of, of who, that your others, fathers ate in the wilderness and died. But whoever eats of me will live forever. And, he, and, then, and apart from the manna which represents Yeshua and the salvation he gives us. In that ark we have the, this Aaron's rod, right? His staff that budded. That represents the miracles, the spirit of God. And then we have the tablets the st of, of the commandments, right, representing the truth. So we have the spirit, we have the truth, we have Yeshua. And they could never be separated. And I want to submit to you that that's what the Father so earnestly desires to place within you and his people. To have his spirit, to have his truth, to have salvation in your hearts. But... You see, it is when you have all of this that you will then become an ark. You will become an ark very much like Noah's ark, who provided sanctuary and salvation to all who were upon the earth. Anyone who would board the ark, who would, who would, who would, who would see the, 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 the preciousness of our Messiah, would escape the coming judgment. The first judgment was one of water. The second will be one of fire. And the Father has chosen you to be his fireproof ark to bring salvation to others. But see, you know, you, you could think about, well, you know, where am I going with all of this? Well, you know, where is this all coming from? You know, brothers and sisters, I myself, you know, I, I grew up so I'm so privileged in terms of being introduced to Yeshua at a young age, uh, being able to discover the revelation of his truth and his commandments and, and, and what holiness is. And, and my heart has, was after the Father from a young age, right? And you could say, oh, wow, you know, great. That's such a great place to begin. But yet, when I got to start thinking for myself, I looked at my life and I started realizing but there's still something wrong here because I look at Yeshua's life, right? I look at all of these amazing things that happened through his life, like with that Samaritan woman. And then I looked at my life and even though I, I was religious, the power was not there. And, and it was so difficult. Guys, listen, you know, what, what's so hard for me is, is I could not lie to myself and act like everything is okay and normal and, and just like, play pretend let's play church even though we don't look like him in this way you know things have changed or or or, or this excuse that excuse cessationalism whatever we make up all the stuff not my gift right or or the holy spirit's my teacher but he's not allowed in that place in my life but, but i was so hungry i fell on my knees and i said oh lord i I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's missing, but I'm so hungry. And I prayed and I fasted, right? And long story short, the father came to me. And one night he gave me dream. Next weekend I was at home 
and I'm sitting at home there and the father comes to my heart and I've never I've never heard him speak and in any but he comes and he puts this thing in my heart he just says go to Hatfield Square there's someone you need to meet right and I, I get in my car because I'm hungry I drive I get out of my car I meet a guy there who's got a shoulder problem and I'm terrified because I don't pray for people but yet I am so hungry and I pray for him and the Spirit of God lands on him and he gets healed and he is beside himself in the excitement the joy of the Lord but yet I'm changed you know you're like Peter what do you mean he's the one who got healed yeah but but I got changed yeah but but I got healed because for the first time perhaps I actually had the food the bread the nourishment because as Yeshua said this is my bread this is my food and so we can do all the things I love all the things but if you do not have this spiritual nourishment that can only come from walking in the Spirit of God, you will forever be hungry and lacking and wondering what is missing, what is going on. Lord, help me. But sometimes what the Lord needs from us is just to step out of our comfort zone. It's for us to, to get up like Peter and proclaim the truth to a lost people. It's for us to believe and trust and show up at places for to meet the needs of people to meet the needs of the poor like Yeshua told us to do at this feast because see brothers sisters what sometimes happen is when we know there's a feast coming right if if you're if you know there's a host preparing a large banquet for you you're not gonna go to the grocery store and buy all the Hershey Hershey chocolates that you can find and eat 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 chocolates all day then that night you get to the feast and you're so full of chocolate that it's like well I'm not actually hungry anymore but yet that's what some of us have done we've indulged so much in the chocolates the things of the world that by the time we get to the feast of Shavuot when we get to the banquet the Father has for us where He wants to give us so much nourishment, so much of His Spirit. We get there and we say, well, I'm not actually hungry. Without even realizing it, we've filled ourselves so much that I'm not hungry. Why would I, why would I go and step out in faith? I'm not hungry. Why would I go and, and actually believe what Yeshua said when He said, You will do the things I did and greater things than these? Why? Because I'm going to the Father, He says. And why is that relevant? Because He's sending a Spirit, He says. It is the Spirit of God that empowers us, that changes us, that makes us look like Him, that brings the hands and feet of Yeshua to the earth. But if you're not hungry for him, if you're not hungry for his spirit, if you're not more hungry than to just sit in church for an hour and that's it, let me go home. I got my checklist done. I kept my Sabbath checklist done. I did this checklist done religious thing. God comes and he says, look, I send my son to die for you. What do you have for me? Are you going to be a living sacrifice for me? Or are you going to keep pretending like you love me? Because, brothers and sisters, let's get real here for a second. 
Some of us are in this just because we want the manna. We're in this because we just want the salvation of Yeshua. But we won't want the spirit or the truth. We don't want to know what it means to have that inside of us. But God comes and He says, you want to follow me? Yeshua spoke and He said, you want to follow me? Pick up your cross and follow me. If you're not willing to pick up your cross, you're not worthy of me. Do not come near me and follow me. If you're not willing to die to yourself, you're not worthy to be my disciple. That's not my words, that's His. You see, salvation is what He offers us, but He asks of us more. He asks of us to live out what He gave at Shavuot the first and the second time. He asks of us to live out the commandments, to live a holy life, not to be saved, but because we are, and to live a life empowered by the Spirit, not to be saved, but because we are. But that true fruit of our salvation that we will be putting on display for the world will surely come out if we are saved. It will surely cause a hunger inside of us for more. To not be content with what the what mainstream Christianity is content with. Because Yeshua said, Narrow is the path. Narrow is the path. Brothers and sisters, if everyone in America is a Christian, and He said, Narrow is the path. It means that narrow is the path. It means that there are people who think they're okay who are not. Who people who think that everything's alright because I went to church today. As if that's what he told us to do. Yes, he told us to fellowship. But if we think that that is the epitome of, the, of what it means to be a believer, we've totally missed it. We've totally lost sight of who he is and what he has called us to become upon this earth. And so Yeshua comes to us and, and, and when he comes and encountered Israel, right? He, he encountered them, like we discussed, Mount Sinai with the truth, Mount Zion, Acts 2 with the Spirit. And we see these groups, these large groups of people encountering the Spirit and the truth corporately. Israel proclaiming, I do at Mount Sinai. And at Acts chapter 2, all of these nations, Galileans, Persians, everyone, Egyptians, saying, yes, we want to get baptized, 3,000 getting baptized. But yet there was at each of these events, individuals. There was an individual at Mount Sinai who trembled at the voice of the Lord and his shofars. There was an individual at Mount Zion who spoke in tongues or who heard it in their own language and who was baptized. We each need, yes, we have the corporate Encounters that God has with His people. But as individuals, we each need our mountain moment. We each need our moment of Mount Sinai, our moment of Mount Zion. And some of you have had a moment of Mount Sinai. You've, you've encountered His truth, but you've not encountered Mount Zion, His Spirit. Some of you have encountered Mount Zion, His Spirit, but His truth has been absent in your life. The enemy wants this. He wants to divorce spirit and truth because when that happens, we become Christians with a half-baked walk of our Messiah. You cannot look like him without both in unity. And I want to submit to you that this is the new era we are entering in. This is the, the season that God is placing before us if we would heed his call, if we would decide no more of halfway 
No more of compromise. No more of the excuses. No more of being too smart for what the simplicity of the gospel and the Bible says our lives ought to look like. No more. I don't know about you, but I say no more. I'm tired of that. And I've had my share of faults. We've all had our share of faults. And God has mercy. God has grace. God is calling an excitement to us. This is not about being saved, but he's calling an excitement to us to become more like him this day because he has chosen us to be the generation we are for a time like this. We are standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us in supplications and prayers and fastings. But the question is going to be is will we grab a hold of what is right in front of us? The Messiah, as you see him today, more clearly than ever before, because the spirit has opened your eyes. That's why you're watching this. The spirit has opened your sight. He has taken off the glasses of religion from you. And he has allowed you to see, wow, there is actually a Messiah behind all of this stuff that is so holy and pure and yet empowered. And he actually believed that I could become the same, even despite my wretchedness, even despite my lack, even though I am so weak, guys, I'm so weak in so many areas. But yet he says, you are worthy and I pick you and I am the one who empowers you. You feel weak like Moses. You say, God, I can't do it. Well, you're in good company. God prefers you to understand you're weak. But he asks of us to believe and have faith in how strong and powerful he is. So what do you believe it is that he can actually do in your life? How far are you willing to, to believe? How far are you willing to go and say, God, I believe you can do this. God, I believe you can do this. God, I actually believe you can do this because your faith is the only thing that really is standing in your way. If you do not have faith, your unbelief, let me say, is what stands in your way. But yet father desires this season to come and remove all unbelief from us. To come and just say, for us to just come and say, God, we're willing to believe. We're willing to have faith in the simple gospel. Come on, guys, if you believe that he, you can have faith for him to save you from eternal death. What we're talking about today to believe in is something not even as great as his salvation, but rather for us to be empowered simply. So, Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone who is listening to this every family, any home, every fellowship at the sound of my voice. Father, I pray, God, that you would this shovel out, Lord, and like an Acts 2, which was a tipping point, a, a change, something that terrified the enemy's camp and brought confusion, confusion into his camp. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this feast of Shavuot, this coming one right now, Lord, would be that very event, that event that becomes the new era again, Lord, one that will go down in the history books as the year, oh Father, let me just believe for it, God, a year where you came with your spirit and you began something new in us, Lord, you began a revival of sorts in your people for them to be you like more than ever before, God, we welcome you and we ask you, 
Lord, to remove all barriers, all things that are in front of us, all lies we've believed, all unbelief, God. All, Lord, whatever it is that is of that is that is not of you that is in us, Lord, I ask, Father, that you would come. We give you permission to come and have your way and remove that from our hearts. Lord, I ask, I pray for leaders. Lord, I pray for evangelists. Lord, I pray for the shepherds, pastors. I pray, Lord, that you would embolden them, that you would open their eyes to the, the beauty and the simplicity of who Yeshua is. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would awaken the souls of people, both believers and then unbelievers, people who do not know you. Lord, I pray that you would give us discernment and wisdom on how to shine brightly than ever before. We pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining me live here today. If this has blessed you, I, I just want to say thank you so very much for joining in, for praying for us, for, for supporting us, helping us spread this message. A special thank you to our partners who make this possible every single month because it's truly, truly not possible without your support.